are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes, over 2,500-page work, of the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, head on over to Facebook and find the group The Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. Now let us thank God for the life of Venerable Maria. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who have proclaimed the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 135, and we are reading from Volume 2, Book 3, Chapter 28, Paragraphs 367 to 374. 367. When, by the permission of the Lord Lucifer, rose from his defeat, he returned to the conflict, selecting for his instrument some of the neighbors of the holy spouses, who were sowing among them and their wives the hellish seed of discord concerning temporal interests. For this purpose, the demon took the shape of a woman, known to them all and telling them that they should not disagree among themselves, since the source of all their difference was none other than Mary, the wife of Joseph. The woman whose shape the demon took held the esteem and regard of all these peoples, and therefore her words were so much the more weighty. Although the Lord did not allow the good name of his most holy mother to suffer in any important point, yet he permitted that for her greater glory and merit all these deceived persons should give her an opportunity of exercising her patience on this occasion. They betook themselves in a body to the house of St. Joseph, and in his presence they called forth Most Holy Mary and spoke very harshly to her, accusing her of disturbing their homes and their peace. This event was painful to the most innocent lady, on account of the worry occasioned to St. Joseph, who had already noticed the increase of her virginal womb, and who, as she perceived, was already troubled by the thoughts beginning to arise in his heart. Nevertheless, in her prudence and wisdom, she sought to meet this disturbance with humility, and overcome it by patience and lively faith. She did not defend herself nor fall back on the faultlessness of her conduct. On the contrary, she humiliated herself and begged her ill-formed neighbors to pardon her, if in anything she had offended them. With sweet and wise words she enlightened and pacified them, making them understand that none of them had committed any offense against the others. Satisfied by her explanations and edified by the humility of her answer, they peacefully withdrew to their houses, while the demon fled, 
not being able to endure such great sanctity and heavenly wisdom. 368. St. Joseph remained somewhat pensive and sad, and he began to give away to conjecture, as I will relate in the following chapters. The demon, although he was ignorant of the chief cause of the troubled thoughts of St. Joseph, wished to profit by the occasion, for he allows none to escape him, in order to disquiet him still more, but doubting whether his dissatisfaction did not arise from a certain disgust at his poverty and his lowly habitation, the demon hesitated between two different courses. On the one hand, he suggested a feeling of restlessness to St. Joseph, irritating and disgusting him against his poverty, and on the other hand, he tried to persuade him that Mary, his spouse, devoted too much time to her meditations and prayers, and led a too negligent and leisurely life, instead of exerting herself to improve their poor circumstances. But St. Joseph, upright and magnanimous of heart, readily despised and rejected such considerations. The solicitude with which he was secretly filled in regard to the pregnancy of his spouse easily smothered all the other anxieties. The Lord, leaving him in the beginning to these anxious thoughts, freed him from the temptations of the demon through the intercession of the Most Holy Mary, for she was very attentive to all that passed within the heart of her most faithful spouse. She therefore besought her most holy son to relieve him of these assaults and to be satisfied with the service which he rendered to God in enduring the sorrow of seeing her pregnant. 369. The Most High ordained that the princes of heaven should still farther prolong this great battle with Lucifer. He permitted him and all his legions in one general assault to strain all their forces and exert all their malice, so that the demons might find themselves entirely crushed and vanquished. The heavenly lady was to achieve the greatest triumph that ever was gained, or could be gained, over hell by a mere creature. These legions of wickedness arrived in all their hellish array to present themselves before the heavenly queen, and with indescribable fury. Uniting all the scheming plots of which they had until now availed themselves separately, and adding what little they could, they advanced to make a universal onslaught. But I will not detain myself in describing it, especially as nearly all can be understood from what has been described in the two preceding chapters. She met them all and awaited their fearful onslaught with the same tranquility, high-mindedness, and serenity as if she had been in the position of the highest choirs of the angels, seated on their secure and unassailable thrones. No strange or improper emotion could disturb the serenity of her heavenly interior, although the menacing terrors, illusions, and falsehoods of all hell were poured forth in torrents by the dragon against this strong and unconquered woman, Most Holy Mary. 370. While she thus, in the midst of this conflict, exercised heroic acts of all the virtues against her enemies, she was made aware of the adorable decree of the Most High, that she should humiliate and crush the pride of the dragon by her great dignity as Mother of God. Rising up in ardent and invincible valor, 
She turned toward the demons and spoke to them, Who is like unto God who dwells on high? And repeating these words, she added, Prince of darkness, author of sin and death, in the name of the Most High, I command thee to become mute, and with thy legions to cast thyself into the infernal caverns, where thy place is appointed to thee, and whence thou shalt not come forth until the promised Messiah shall vanquish thee and crush thee, or until he otherwise permit. The heavenly empress shone forth in the light and splendor of heaven, and as the proud dragon made a pretense of resisting her command, she directed upon him the full force of her power. His resistance drew upon him so much the greater pain, humiliation, and torment, since such he thereby merited before all the other demons. Together they fell into the abyss and remained fixed in its lowest caverns, as had happened to them at the time of the Incarnation, and as I will describe further on at the temptation and the death of Christ our Lord. And when the dragon afterwards engaged in his last battle with the queen, which is described in the third part of this history, this heavenly lady vanquished him so completely that through her and her most holy son, his head was entirely crushed. In that final battle, his strength was so weakened and ruined that if human creatures do not deliver themselves into the hands of his malice, they can very easily resist and overcome him with the divine grace. 371. Then the Lord himself appeared to his most holy mother, and in reward of her glorious victories, he communicated to her new gifts and privileges. Her thousand guardian angels visibly presented themselves with innumerable hosts of others, and sang to her canticles of praise in honor of the Most High and of herself. And with celestial concord of sweet and audible voices, they sang of her that which the Holy Church figuratively sings of the triumph of Judith. Thou art all beautiful, Mary, our Lady, and there is no stain of sin in thee. Thou art the glory of the heavenly Jerusalem, thou the honor of the people of God. Thou art she who magnifests his name, the advocate of sinners, who defendest them against their proud enemy. O Mary, thou art full of grace and of all perfection. The heavenly lady was filled with glad jubilee, praising the author of all good and acknowledging him as the source of all she possessed. Whereupon she began to pay more particular attention to the well-being of her spouse, as I shall relate in the following chapter of the fourth book. Instruction which our queen and mistress gave me. 372. My daughter, the silence which the soul should maintain when the invisible enemies advance with their specious reasonings should not prevent it from imposing silence upon them in the name of the Most High and from commanding them to leave its presence in confusion. Therefore, I desire this to be thy prudent behavior when they assault thee. For there is no other defense so powerful against the dragon than to be conscious of the power which we possess as children of God, and to use the advantage which this confidence gives us by the exercising our dominion and superiority over the infernal spirits. Matthew 6, 9. For the whole aim of Lucifer after he had fallen from heaven consists in enticing souls from their creator and in sowing the seed of discord by which he hopes to separate from the heavenly father his adopted children and the spouses of Christ from their bridegroom. Whenever he perceives that a soul is united with his Creator and in living communion with its head Christ, he tries to surpass himself in his furious attempts at persecuting it. 
His envy arouses the utmost exertion of his deceitfulness and malice for its destruction. But as soon as he sees that he cannot succeed in his attempts, because the soul takes refuge in the unfailing and unassailable protection of the Most High, he weakens in his attempts and begins to writhe in exquisite torments. If the soul, thus strengthened with the authority of God's truth, despises and casts him out, there is no creeping worm or ant so weak as the giant of iniquitous pride. 373. By this most true doctrine thou must comfort and strengthen thyself, when according to the decree of the Almighty thou meetest tribulations and art surrounded by the sorrows of death and temptations, such as I have suffered. For they afford thy spouse the best occasion of verifying the fidelity by experience. Therefore love must not be satisfied merely with mere protestations or affection without looking for more valuable fruit. For the desire which costs nothing is not a sufficient proof of love in a soul, nor of its proper esteem of the good, which it pretends to hold dear and love. If thou wishest to give a satisfactory proof of thy love to thy spouse, show thyself invincible in thy trust in him. Also, when thou findest thyself most afflicted and forsaken by human aid, confide in the Lord thy God and hope in him, if necessary against hope. Romans 4.18 For he does not slumber, nor does he sleep, who calls upon himself the protection of Israel. Psalm 124 In due time he will command the waves and the wind and the restore tranquility. Matthew 8.26 374. Thou must be much more wary, my daughter, in the beginning of the temptations. For there is then greater danger, lest the soul yielding to the concupiscent or the irascible passions, by which the light of reason is obscured and darkened, allow itself to be thrown into confusion. As soon as the demon notices such a state of mind, he will raise a whirlwind of dust in the faculties. His fierceness is so immeasurable and implacable that it will then increase in fury. He will add flame to flame, thinking that the soul has no one to defend and rescue it from his hands. Psalm 120.11 With the force of his temptations increases also the danger of failing in the necessary resistance since the soul is commenced to yield in the very beginning. All this I make known to thee in order that thou mayest fear for danger of being remiss in guarding against the first approaches of the demon. Do not incur it in what is so important. Thou shouldst continue an even tenor of thy duties in every temptation, keeping up the sweet and devout union with the Lord, and preserving thy prudent and loving intercourse with thy neighbors. Thou shouldst forestall by prayer, and by restraint of thy feelings, the disorder which the enemy seeks to bring about in thy soul. This concludes our reading for today, day number 135. We've been reading from chapter 28 of volume 2, book 3, and we read paragraphs 367 to 374. I want us to notice two things about how the evil one was at work in our reading today. The first is the evil one disguises himself as another person and tries to plant the seeds of discord among the neighbors of the Blessed Virgin. So we have a fallen angel taking on a corporeal form 
in order to accomplish his uh, his plan of ruin. Now, I'm not suggesting that we have that similar experience. We could, I suppose. But what I do want to suggest is when we think about all of these apparitions of Our Lady, is that she takes on the character of the people to whom she appears. In Cabejo, Africa, she becomes a black woman. In Guadalupe, she becomes a mestizo Indian. And I often have thought, you know, it's hard to explain how this happens, why this happens and such. I imagine that it's easy for someone to kind of like dismiss these apparitions. Like, how is it that the Blessed Mother looks so different in all of them? Why wouldn't she appear as the same Mother of God as the Middle Eastern Jewish woman that she was? But I think we can look at the fact that the devil takes on human form and accomplishes his plan. And so God allows Mary, and so this is the tension between evil and the Blessed Mother. So Mary recognizes from heaven all that's going on, and she says, Jesus, we have to go to earth with a message. And so he sends her and allows her to take on the appearance of the people to whom she appears. The second thing I want us to notice in our reading today is what happens with St. Joseph. So St. Joseph is beginning to recognize that Mary is pregnant. He has some fleeting thoughts. He doesn't know what to make of it. Tomorrow we actually begin book two or book four. So this would be book two of volume two or book four of the entire volume. And we're going to begin to get into the mind and the heart of St. Joseph and to see how God is going to be at work in his life through this all. I'm very much looking forward to it. But look at what the devil does to him. The demon, although he was ignorant of the chief cause of the troubled thoughts of St. Joseph, wished to profit by the occasion. And then we heard, on the one hand, he suggested a feeling of restlessness to St. Joseph, irritating and disgusting him against his poverty. And on the other hand, he tried to persuade him that Mary, his spouse, devoted too much time to her meditations and prayers and led a too negligent and leisurely life instead of exerting herself to improve their poor circumstances. But St. Joseph, upright and magnanimous of heart, readily despised and rejected such considerations. But yet the temptation was there. The evil one was trying to do this. And so now look at the families that you know. Look at your own family, your own relationship with a husband and wife. Whenever there's tension, ask yourself, is this the ploy of the evil one? Because he wants to destroy our family. Remember, Sister Lucia from Fatima said that the last great battle would be over the family. Well, Satan inaugurates that battle against the family, and he does so in individual homes, trying to cause chaos and confusion, leading to doubt about one another and their love. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on the mystical city of God. I'm grateful that you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.